0: Who cast. Cast. Pod who poo pod 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 poo poo cast who cast hello and welcome to please tell me you can hear me by the way
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> okay uh, uh well anyway uh <laughs> welcome you won't get that because we spend an hour trying to get to the get trying to get mics to work uh welcome to potter who cast your only Pod, who cast about who? Pod Doctor Who Torchwood Sarah Jane, and um those other two ones K nine and
1: can't forget K uh, nine. Uh, yeah,
0: listen, listen, no one has ever forgotten K nine. Everyone has K nine fever. We're all we're oh, all K nine.
1: You're such Good. a regular character, K nine.
0: They're trying to make a K nine movie, and they've been training for the last, I think, two and a half years, and they like they they will not give in to this idea that. What the nation needs to heal is a K nine movie. Has
1: K nine <laughs> even appeared in New Who?
0: He well outside of series two and series four, no. Um, right,
1: because he's with Sarah Jane.
0: Yeah, I think they wanted him in something. I like I have a vague memory of them wanting to bring him back, but they um, I think Bob Baker, who owns the right, was like no, because I'm making a K nine movie, and they're like okay, then um, good for you, and then. That didn't happen um i'm david and with me as always is
1: uh sorry hold on (laughs) can you say that again I, i i'm thinking i'm thinking of a good introduction
0: um okay um i i'm i'm david as i said and with me as always with a good introduction is
1: i'm michelle and i'm trying to resonate concrete
0: Wow, (laughs) Uh, Christopher Eccleston. Um, And joining us this week is
2: is um, with a markedly less impressive introduction. Myself, Kaylee.
0: Woo! (laughs) We did um, it. We got there. It's been an hour (laughs) since we came here. This week, we're we're talking two episodes: um, the Empty Child and the Doctor Dances. To spooky episodes, series one, episode nine and ten. Uh, as you can tell, they're about children and dancing. The
2: worst things ever.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, so they were written by. We'll get to this in a second. They were written by Stephen Moffat. His first two scripts. Well, his first. Nice two first. Official. Yeah. Wait! 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 Official. I know Curse of the Hill Death isn't official though. What about didn't he write Caleb, Dalek? No, that's Robert Sherman. Um, <gasps> Robert Sherman who uh very much doesn't really do work anymore. Um anyway, they're written by Stephen Moffat, directed by James Hawes. Both of their first things their first mm. forays as it were into Doctor Who. James Hawes uh f- famously Not a very good director, I would say. (laughs) Um, Directed five episodes of Doctor Who. Directed these two. Then directed Christmas Invasion, New Earth, and School Reunion, speaking of canine. Um, So, yeah. So, I guess we start off at the show. Have you heard of the show? It's called uh, Doctor Who. Mm, Interesting (laughs) show. Wait, what? Yeah, I've never seen it before. What are you on about? It's it's uh it's, it's about Victor Meldry from One Foot in the Grave, um, uh-huh. holding up a hospital in 1940s World War II. It's a, it's a good show. Uh, it's about fifty nine thousand episodes of it, I think. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, before before we talk about the episode, I just want to ask. So, Kaylee, uh, Doctor Who, why yes. why you Doctor Who?
2: Um, well, like. I saw it on telly as a kid, you know, growing up in the UK, it was just kind of on the telly. Um, And I like saw like David Tennant's because like, I'm only like 21 this year. So I I saw mostly David Tennant. And then obviously most of what I consciously can remember is, is 11. I've forgotten the name, Matt Smith. There we go. Um, And then I stopped watching around Peter Capaldi um, just because, eh, it just got a bit air. Uh. Um and then like I went back to watch Eccleston at some point in my life and I really like Eccleston, so Hi. <laughs> All, <right. laughs>
1: All right. You 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 want me back. When you said eh about my my main man Capaldi, I was about to, you know
2: Like I love I love Capaldi as an actor, but I don't think his like seasons were as good as they could have been.
1: I rewatched Mummy in the Orient Express and it reminded me that season 8 is not as bad as I remember it being but it's also not as good as it could have been.
2: Like I just prefer watching the thick of it. Like that's just much more up my alley.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but, but a, a, absolutely any actor is good in a Yanuchi show when they can just give a chance, get a chance to like <laughs> do one of those swears that completely redefine the artist swearing
2: but like, to be fair i did watch the thick of it like long before he was even the doctor so i just kind of like had that vision of capaldi in my head and then like he j- he was just a grumpy old man in in doctor who and i'm like oh not as fun when he's not telling everyone to fuck off you know
1: <laughs> i i will s- <laughs> i will say i do when capaldi was announced as a doctor i remember somebody posted like a gif of uh here's the Doctor looking for Gallifrey, and it's Capaldi running into a corridor going, what the fuck is it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man.
1: <laughs> I first watched this episode when I was uh, 15. I will not say how I watched it, but I watched pretty much the first season of Doctor Who, like, all by myself, uh, at home, in the dark, and I remember getting at least, like, a couple of days of nightmares after this episode. Uh, uh Is this the first Spooky episode of the new se- of the new Doctor Who.
0: Um, well, I mean, uh, episode three is. I would say it's trying to be scary. Um, I don't think it is scary, and we we will have discussed that before. But uh, um,
1: <laughs> right, 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 right. We're totally yeah. not recording this out of order.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think this is the first one where it's like proper. Like you shouldn't be watching this if you're under the age of ten, kind <laughs> of stuff.
2: Like ninety percent of like the scare factor though is just that terrifying CGI as that man's face morphs oh, into a god. gas mask.
0: Did you know oh, on, t- on the DVD, um, they put sound effects in of his skull cracking as yeah. a, as a thing that of his mouth?
2: Oh god, it's just minging to look at as well.
1: <laughs> well, that scene comes after. I was, I was really surprised. I was watching this. I watched this yesterday. Uh it's all it's all on HBO Max, which I think is very interesting. And I was watching it as somebody who had never seen the show before. Uh, this is probably like the th- their third episode of Doctor Who they ever seen. And I was watching it and I was like, Alright, like this is really I, I it, it is is uh before I compliment the direction, is James Hawes the director that made Christopher Elkson quit or
0: <laughs> No, that is uh Keith Boak. Okay. Um who was well, we, we will have discussed this as well, but just okay. with, just for the uh, thing, uh, Keith Boak got sacked. Well, the rumor is Keith Boak got sacked halfway through Rose um, because he almost killed people with a couch. Um, right. But there's no thing. But like the, the um, Keith Boak's the one who, who Anyway, yeah, uh, James Hawes didn't do that. And he probably should have because it's
1: not very good. Uh, I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, Maybe we're going to have fist of cuffs over this, but I really enjoyed the directing. You know, I thought it was... Whenever it was surrounding the actual mystery of what this child is and all that, it was very impressively subdued and impressively, like, calm. There was a moment that I particularly liked, which is the first time... Not the first time, but when they're inside the house and the child is knocking on the door... going like are you my mommy and then the phone rings and when they cut back to the doctor it's this uh tilted um this dutch angle shot which is when the camera tilts uh to one side or the other to imply that there's something wrong and it was a moment that just made me go like whoa like what that that is actually legitimately creepy and scary and uh this episode is a lot with a a little you know sure we have one half of the episode where rose is hanging from the sky and 2005 era CGI fighting, like uh, trying to avoid getting killed by 2005 <laughs> era explosions, and sure you got like Captain Jack's whole thing there, and he has that, that that cool set that's his spaceship. But the whole thing with the Empty Child, the actual spotlight of the episode, is very low key and very uh, more implied than actually shown. The the moment when the Doctor wa- walks into the ward, and you see all those people laying there. Just with Gas gasmax on, it's a very terrifying moment, you know.
0: God, especially when, because you, all you hear during the thing is just a child saying, "Like, are you my mommy?" But when, like, the adults are going, "Like, mommy, mommy," right. that is just—I like, mean, it's absolutely terrifying.
2: They do sound kind of silly sometimes, the, though.
0: Right, it's it like is. Mr. <laughs> and, and like uh, Noel Edmonds, kind of stuff, but like. I
2: don't the, the, know. The, There's one bit right at the end of the episode where they're like all surrounding them and there's just this one person who's saying mummy with just such passion and I'm like, wait,
1: what? (laughs) What about the guy in the second episode who gets transformed and it looks like the word mummy is literally trying to crawl out of his throat. Like he's going...
2: (laughs) You
1: know what? You know what? I, 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 I applaud that because I found that to be it's funny, but it's also very like it's it's it strikes this chord that I like. I, I always thought, like, whenever people talk about, oh, Doctor Who is the kind of show that you would watch and you would go, you know, you would hide behind the sofa because of how scary it was. And I never really got that feeling until I rewatched this episode and I realized it's the kind of like low key horror mixed with a little bit of silliness and camp that kind of sucks you in. The camp sucks you in and then you get hit. And you know right in the fuck the freaking gut with something terrifying. Like the revelation that you know the gas master made of flesh and bone, it's all fused. That those shots of him of the doctor looking at the masks fused to the to the people's uh heads is just like it gives you the hippie jeebies.
0: Can I give you my take? Which yeah. is that this this is and I, I, I argue this is the case because Eccleston is literally doing an impression of him five years early. This is like a prototype Moffat era episode down to the way the Doctor says like bananas are cool, bananas are good I love bananas. Oh yeah oh um, yeah. yeah. Eccleston plays like, like the phone scene at the start where he's like what are you reading? I don't know what you're in. like it's it's like so clear like this is a guy's like, concrete idea of what Doctor Who should be what it could be like what it should do which is like, like for because as you know, we've watched all the other episodes and we've we've recorded all the ones before this. Yes, but, of um, course. Uh <laughs> it's it's like so like shockingly coherent for like an early run of a show like this for someone to be so defined in what their what their thought process is for for a show of this magnitude. I really I I, I like I really know that like, a lot. And especially with all the all like the call like the not the callbacks, but the kind of, like, nods to stuff that Moffat would pick up way later on, like, little references to, like, themes and everything. Like, like the ending is such a Moffat ending as well.
2: I mean, I I would say that, at least in, like, the uh, Eleven Runner, I wouldn't say it's really that much of a hallmark of Moffat, considering, like, the, like... If, if we're talking about like the end of like the whole thing, then like the whole two episodes, then I wouldn't say that's a mark of Muffet. I would say after the end of like the the first of the two with like the the cliffhanger and stuff, because that just became like all he would do really is just like cliffhanger after cliffhanger where it's like, oh, you'll f- find out next time kind of thing. Instead of mm-hmm. just like a, a full arc and then it ends and then you move on to the next adventure.
0: Yeah. I think um like,
1: yeah. yeah. So so David, I think the the hallmark of this episode, you know, it's this um it's this attempt to humanize the doctor by combining the supernatural with something that's inherently emotional and down to earth. Um I think maybe that's the hallmark of Moffat that I see here, you know. A lot of times when people look at his stories, they always talk about how like it's taking something unexpectedly simple and making it scary. Uh, so they mentioned like the Whipping Angels. They mentioned the Vashta, the, is it Vashta Narada, the, the shadow yeah. monsters? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I think the reason why these those monsters in particular work is because M- Moffat's whole thing with Doctor Who, it seems to be emphasizing how the bizarre and the unexpected reveal the most human about not just Doctor, but about the humans themselves. You know, to me, the most important scenes of this episode aren't, you know, uh, Are You My Mommy and all that, or the scene at the hospital where the guy transforms into, into the pyro from Team Fortress 2 or something. Uh, to me, the most important scene scenes in this episode are the scenes where Rose and the Doctor are talking and Rose. is like, you know, the universe doesn't implode if the Doctor dances. Or, of course, the, the classic scene at the end where Eccleston conveys so much by just smiling and going, just this once, everybody lives, and and also the scene, the scene which I actually found to be very touching, which is when Rose is helping Nancy fix up the the barbed wire, yeah, and she's yeah. like, "I'm from your future, you know, 50 years from now, I'm born here," and she does it, and you can see that Nancy is like, you know, she, she Nancy is somebody who has lost all hope. Who has lost all just complete all her dreams and all her expectations of the future are just gone, not just because of the war, but because of the way that this the nano genes have accidentally transformed her own son into this monster who's infecting all of London. And it's with the presence of the doctors, with the presence of this supernatural event that she regains hope. She accepts her quote unquote motherly motherly role and she becomes more human than she was before. And that long waited explanation is what I think the hallmarks of Moffat are, you know. Okay. Moffat always goes back to that humanity at the core of the show as a whole.
0: Definitely. Um I suppose we should probably get into the nitty gritty of this episode. But um so we start out with this kind of, with they're they're chasing down this ship. They don't know what it is. But it's a ship. They go to London. Uh, they get split up. The doctor goes to check if anyone's seen the ship land in London. Rose, here's the child, goes after it. Um, there's a, that, that scene in the um, in the nightclub, the, the cabaret, whatever. Um, it has one of my, my all-time favorite Eccleston moments. Which is after he um like after he says, has anyone seen a bomb fall or whatever? And everyone like laughs and stuff and they all leave and he realizes that like, oh, it's it's the blitz. Like what an idiot I am. There's a little look he gives, I don't know if, if either of you who it, where he like kinda goes like, Oh what like what am I like? <laughs> it's it's a mm-hmm. like, like, weird kinda like eye roll kinda thing. I like that. Though. But anyway, Rose goes after the child. Um she grabs a rope, but it's not any rope. It's a barrage balloon.
1: What yes. No.
0: Well, what happens now is that across, uh, across town, uh, watching the skies is uh, beloved beloved yes. stage and screen actor, John Barrowman. Love him. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> we do like a little Barrowman corner, because I have, I have a bit of trivia to drop here in this, uh, this little Barrowman corner that uh, may shock you. Um... So barman stage actor. He's in something like Billy Elliot, He's in not Billy Elliot, sorry. He's in um Anything Goes on the on the West End. He's also in uh uh Phantom of the Opera. Uh he's he plays the Beast in Puking the Beast um at some point in his career. He's also a a, a host on um Live and Kicking, which is a kids TV show where he had a catchphrase which was called it's a dirty rat. That was his catchphrase. <laughs> um, so here's my bit of trivia. Okay, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. So, Will and Grace, the TV show. John Barryman is very much considered for the role of Will in Will and Grace. Oh, my God. It's very close. <laughs> okay. Uh, he gets turned down. Because the producers say he's too straight.
1: <laughs> oh my god! And of
0: course, the role goes to Eric McCormack, who, of course, is straight. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know.
2: John Burrowman is one of the, like the least heterosexual people like you can clap eyes on. Honest
1: right. to god.
0: Right. <laughs> he then, um, he of course he goes on to stuff like Desperate Housewives. He's an arrow for like four years where he kinda just hangs out. And he's in um he's in Zero Dark Thirty for two seconds as well, which is really weird seeing him just, like walk around. But I don't know. I think he's um I think he I think he's good in this. I I think he's better when he gets to like the tortured the era stuff. Oh well, yeah. But I think I think he's pretty good in this. But anyway, um so the doctor runs into uh Nancy, this young woman played by Florence Hoth who has since retired from acting. I think the scene where she and the Kong's Kong's God almighty, when she gets the wire cutters from your man, I think she's really good in that scene where she's like where she just completely flips the situation on him and says like, I like you think I'm I'm here, but I know where you get all the, all the food from, I know where everything comes from, so like, you know, let me go, let me use your bathroom, let me do all this stuff. But that's that's getting ahead of stuff. Um, oh, what am I talking about? Uh... Let, let, no, no, no. Let's
1: talk about that for a second. Let's talk about that for yeah. a quick second. Is the implication there that it's the dad that's pouring yeah. oh, yeah. around with yeah. the yeah. butcher? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, like this is like such a gay episode of Doctor Who before like <laughs> you could even actually be gay. <laughs> that, that,
0: that scene where that scene where um they're trying like they trying to get to the the chula thing, Doctor Dances, and um. Jack is like, I'm gonna go distract your man, and Rose like, no, I'll I'll do, it, I'll do it. Jack's like, no, no like I will, <laughs> <laughs> I will go and I will go and distract this man, please. Like, if you, you don't know who he is, and then we get the 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 creepiest fucking mummy, right? Oh,
1: I'm right? Uh, life, if, you can, if you can hear that, yes. <laughs> you know the, the, this this episode. uh I was thinking a lot about Jack Harkness in this episode because looking back on it it's easy for your conclusion at the end to be like this episode didn't need Jack Harkness uh which is a wrong conclusion it's it's like yeah. it's like a yeah, simple definitely. one it's like a simple one you can make when you when you look at the whole picture like he contributes to the plot in that he allows them to escape and then he stops the bomb and you could be like whoa why have Jack Harkness altogether in here and it's like just like how the episode is about Nancy accepting, uh, coming to grips with the fact that, you know, she has to be, she she is Jamie's mom. Uh, she has to take on that motherly role, even though she's already been taking it. She just has to, you know, admit it to the world, admit it to the world and to herself. This is kind of like also Jack Harkness's transformation into a heroic figure, you know? We meet him and from... From the first minute, it's very obvious that, like, this guy doesn't care as much as a doctor does. Like, he um he reveals a spaceship in the middle of, like... Like, everyone is looking up at the sky, Jack. Like, do you think anyone's gonna see your giant spaceship parked right next to the Big Ben? Like, there's very subtle clues that this guy does not care. And then you lead to the f- revelation at the end that he's a com man and that this is whole, just, like, a whole plan. And, and then leads to the great moment which is when when the doctor is like no when the doctor is explaining what happened with the nanogene then he's like I didn't know like I don't want to admit this is my fault which is of course leads to him coming back and saving the day by stopping the bomb
2: I mean like to me it's like the, the one thing I thought was this is the world's shittiest con man and he needs to stop being a con man and eventually he realizes that and stops being a con man, and I, I, I think that was an interesting way to go about it.
0: If I may use this word, I don't think I'm using it correctly. It's a little bit of a himbo. Oh, yes. yes, he is
1: <laughs> a himbo. He is a himbo. Oh.
0: But I think, I think, yeah, it's definitely, it definitely is a story about how like Jack has to accept that he has done something that like, completely fucked. But I think the problem is is that next episode, he's just kind of hanging around doing absolutely nothing in the TARDIS while slithing your back. But we'll get to that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I always... I I, I still haven't watched... This is actually true. We we may have recorded these episodes out of order, but I still have not watched Boontown and the season one finale two-parter ever since I first watched them. Uh, But I definitely remember... The character of Jack Harkness feeling surprisingly auxiliary after these two first episodes. Seeing Torchwood, I'm excited to finally see it, but it felt Indeed. to me like yeah, he needed a spin-off or just because he couldn't work in Doctor Who as like a secondary character, you know.
0: I think there's definitely a problem that it has like running throughout the first series, and I would argue kind of in the second series as well. Where they just don't know what to do with a companion who isn't Rose, <coughs> and we'll get to like 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 the way like Mickey kind of just kind of joins up, and then like an episode later is gone again, and then I think I think, I think it's a problem that has a lot. It still has with like the Whittaker era, which we'll get to in three or four years at this rate. But it's <coughs> like I don't know. It's just. I am really, <laughs> I'm running <up> <laughs> um, But anyway, Dr. Basie stalks Nancy to this house where the family is in a, a bomb shelter, and he learns that like he needs to go. To, he needs to go to Dr. Constantine. Well, meanwhile, Rose talks to Jack, and there's this, there's this running thing about how Rose wants the doctor to be more of an alien than he is to, uh, like, scan for alien tech to do some Spock stuff, as she says, and then Jack immediately does the Spock stuff. So the doctor goes to the hospital. He runs into um, Richard Wilson playing Dr. Constantine, who I think is pretty good in this as well. I think, because... Uh, I don't know if either of you have seen One Foot in the Grave. It's... um No. Uh, it's a very dark, kind of complex sitcom. Where Richard Wilson plays like the most put upon like failure of a man who gets annoyed by everyone. Everyone hates him because he's such a grump. Um, But I think his comic timing is very good in this, especially at the end where um, he's he's like coming out of the whole. Like trance state and he's going Mm -hmm. to um, he's talking to like all the patients and your one comes up to it, like oh my my <laughs> leg is going back. Oh uh, yeah And he's like there's a war on have you tried this misplaced or whatever which is a good line. Um but anyway he learns that um all the patients who have been whatever by the, the empty child aren't dead. They're all just chilling out. Uh, there's nothing really wrong with them, only that they have a gas mask to their face and They can't really do anything, and then he changes into one of them. This is all gonna be riveting. If you if you haven't seen these episodes, it's gonna be like absolutely incredible listening.
2: But like, also, I just want to say, like, the impeccable timing of uh, of the the doctor turning into um, one of these <laughs> empty people, just like, oh, you got here just in time, like, because he must have been caring for these people for God knows how long, like at least like a month, right? And and at, he manages to stay, even though he's been caring for them, touching them all the time, just until the doctor gets there. He has not transformed.
0: How? Oh, i don't know but it's, it's like there's so much like especially when he says like they're gonna they're gonna bomb this place and say say that oh it was a, it was a german bomb who did it not them which is like the whole the whole like like get the same like the government has completely just cut off any, any like acknowledgement that these people are are here and these people are, are whatever but anyway to continue my incredible <laughs> no no right no no I
1: think I think you kind of hit on a point really really well made point which is you know why does this episode take place during an airstrike because by, by virtue of how it works an airstrike an airstrike kind of when we talk about an airstrike we talk about what's going on in the air but we forget that there's so many people down on the ground living their own lives living their own histories and sometimes those histories end because of a bomb or sometimes they just keep going on Um, and that is a very, I thought it was a very wise choice from the part of the writers to set the episode. I mean, clearly there's the production aspect of it, which is because it's an airstrike, we don't have to pay for a a bunch of extras. (laughs) They can all just stay indoors. (laughs) Uh, but it is this like very impersonal in disconnected, you know, desensitized act of war. Where literally you're not even seeing people, you're just seeing machines shooting at each other, and it requires someone like the doctor for the humans to realize, no, no, these are people, and you know we need to to see them as people, and we need to see ourselves as people, which is why that final moment hits so much, you know, when he just finally goes, just as once, everybody lives, because in this in this moment of death and this awful awful war here is a moment of hope that'll re-energize everyone around them and and I think it's really funny how the doctor ends that moment he goes alright you guys have a lot of things to do you know you gotta win the war the welfare state and all that Uh, I think that's just like that's like like you said at the beginning that's what Moffat sees the doctor as the doctor is this breath of fresh air that reminds us what it's like to be human.
0: There, there's as well, like, um, their equipment like, when he goes into the, the dinner with Nancy and you know, the kids, uh, yeah, and yeah. The, the, the kid says, like, I got sent home from this place because there was, there was a guy there and like, you get the, the implication like these kids are like completely like people who should be caring for them are, are like turning them away and like taking advantage and stuff as well as that, like, that house there's a thing in front that says like like, we're we're in the middle of the the blitz or like we are being bombed there's like a clear sign saying like we are in trouble like Mm -hmm. don't come near us or like we are we're like in trouble whatever but um, oh sorry
2: (laughs) uh no um when they were all eating around the dinner table quick note he just appears there kids are clearly (laughs) deaf and blind um don't know how they missed
0: him, there's but so like... Much of that to like when um when he approaches when the phone in the terrace is ringing like he like when he comes around the corner, um, Nancy like pops into <laughs> and then pops out <sighs> straight away again. Like, like, there's so much of like um like sudden shock, but but like, uh... it's oh god, it's just it's so it like, like like the it, it's I think it's I was, what I was thinking earlier on it's like it's more sad than scary. Like there's so much like clear despair in what what is going on on top of I mean, everything else. I, I
2: think I, I sorry the, the it's just like the doctor's there. They're seeing Nancy help feed these kids, and he's like, "I don't know if this is Marxism or inaction or a West End musical." Um, <laughs> <but> I, <laughs> and I'm like, "Hey, you know what? I like that we, not that."
0: <laughs> I like as well when he's like, "What are they going to arrest you for?" Like being hungry or whatever, when yeah. like the cops probably would, like the, like like the police is like again hidden to that kind of no one's caring for people. Like the, like the police are obviously not great at all these days or back then, but there's a clear thing of like, authority in this world is, if not suffocating, then like completely turned against these defenseless people.
2: The people who need help the most aren't getting it.
0: Yeah and, exact, yeah, and as well as that, when like as a doctor notes, it's like it's a it's a hospital ship, but it's it's like repairing them so they can fight for right. this this whole thing.
2: Yeah,
0: like it's it's like yeah. a whole thing. of, Like we'll make you better, but we'll use you as a as cannon fodder.
1: Yeah, and again, it takes somebody like like the doctor to come in uh i i thoroughly enjoyed i think moffat did something really well which is sort of hint at the doctor's backstory i i haven't seen a lot of his later seasons uh recently so i don't know if this is something he becomes better or worse at uh like so many other things but uh (laughs) moffat is really good here at like hinting at the doctor's backstory as a way that like elicits the viewer to be like, oh that, that's interesting. There's this moment where the the Constantine, the Dr. Constantine, he's like, Yeah, I used to be a father and a grandfather, but I can but I'm nothing. And the doctor goes, like, I know the feeling. And I and I saw the guy I was watching it, my housemate, and he went like, wait, what does it mean by that? And I was like, Well, you know, the first doctor was a grandfather, and that's like that's the kind of stuff that just kind of makes he really knows how to use the fact that the doctor has been around for in, in universe 900 years and out of universe for like 50 years as a way of enhancing the character and enhancing the plot as a whole.
0: This is me. Um, I was just editing there and it turns out Michelle's mic turned off. We didn't at the time it was on but didn't record so we lost a couple of bits here so you're going to hear the game now and okay will we do the uh, will we as they say in Saw shall we play a game we shall Go on, I've, never, I've never seen Saw but I imagine that um, I've seen a lot of tweets about Saw actually don't know why mm. Um, so this is a TARDIS wiki game so this week I have gone to the, the wonderful TARDIS wiki and looked up uh, a, a real life celebrity and, and I have both of you guess who it is. Now, I want to get Joe Biden because it would be topical when we recorded. But if you go to Joe Biden's uh, TARDIS wiki page, you will see that it got removed. Oh, no. Uh, it got removed because someone uh, redirected to Hitler's page on the Oh, Woody. God. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> uh, which made me realize that Hitler also has a page on the... Hitler and Woody Allen both have pretty in-depth pages on the Doctor Who weekend. What? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, this week it's a, a Canadian. That'll be um, your first clue. Um... This person is technically a villain in the Doctor Who universe. Uh, They've never been in the show, but they're technically a villain in the Doctor Who universe. Uh, They're a celebrity who became an astronaut in the Doctor Who universe. He is described as having hazel eyes, styled hair, perfect teeth and flawless skin. My last clue is that he's a singer. A singer. Can you guess Is it David Bowie? Is? It is not David Bowie. Um. David Bowie doesn't have perfect This, teeth. Person, this person isn't uh, well, they were huge recently. by recently, I mean the last 10, 15 years. they've kind of cooled off since, but they were like they were the celebrity at one point. These. They were mentioned in this episode? They're not mentioned in this episode. They're mentioned in purely spin-off media. In um a comic. They're in two things. They're in a comic where they're where they're offhandly mentioned. And they're the villain in a uh, short story in a book.
2: The only T- like Canadian singer I can think of is like Justin
0: Bieber. And it's he's just Justin a villain. Bieber. Oh, is it? it? Okay. It's Justin Bieber. <laughs>
2: oh my god.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, the I don't know if you remember uh, the Idiot's Lantern from series two, where um, Maureen Littman plays an evil TV. Uh, The story is from the 12 Doctors of Christmas book. It's the 10th Doctor story. And this girl gets an iPhone (laughs) and a Justin Bieber calendar. And the wire from that episode takes over Justin Bieber's form and tries to take over the world or something, I think. Sounds Um, about right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Justin Bieber's an astronaut as well in... uh,
2: who <laughs> What
0: the hell? Yeah, <laughs> people have time on their hands, okay? As, as we said, oh they're, they're, they're not fucking. They're, they're, Did they
2: get permission <laughs> to use Justin Bieber? Like, surely no, they get permission. <laughs> or,
0: or is like a?
1: Is it like a? Is it like a Musting Jeeber character? No,
0: it, it is literally Justin Bieber. Is the? Uh, <sighs> I wonder if, if Alec Baldwin knows that. Justin Bieber is part of the Doctor universe. Is is it Alec Baldwin who's his father-in-law, or is it Daniel Baldwin, or is it Billy Baldwin? I have no idea.
1: God, I'm uh, sorry, when was was the story written, the one about him, the um, wire taking his form?
0: I think it was last, I don't know. It um, better
1: be before 2012. (laughs) If it was after, like, if it was after 2012, I'm gonna have to, like,
0: it might have. I think it was after. It might have been after Never Say Never. Jeez. Yeah, uh, that's a sponsored <laughs> film, isn't it? I, I um. Let's see. It was uh, written in twenty sixteen. Is when it came. Oh out. no! No. <laughs> no.
1: But, okay, I'm sorry. No.
2: Doctor Who is cancelled
0: Written by uh, You might like this name Written by a guy whose surname is Dungworth Yeah Uh, Which is probably what the story is worth
1: Um, (laughs) Oh come on guys It's 2016 You're still complaining about Justin Bieber Come on Um, Grow up
0: Yes, uh, it's it, but
1: but, yes, uh, it, but, but uh, by the way, yes, you're you. It's uh, Stephen Baldwin who's is, uh,
0: hmm. so the, the, his... uh So the, the the worst Baldwin, basically.
1: Stephen Baldwin, who I only know because he played uh, the actor playing Alec Baldwin in, Thirty Rock.
0: <laughs> what was he in recent? He, he was in something I watched recently. Oh, he's is he, he the? In Fred it... Claus. He's in Fred. He's in Fred Claus. There's a scene in Fred Claus where. Bill Clinton's brother and um Stephen Baldwin confront Vince Vaughn at a oh, brother's oh my meeting. I'm because...
1: so I'm so sorry, I made a mistake. Um it was it was not Stephen Baldwin who played the actor playing Alec Baldwin's character in 30 Rock. It was William Baldwin. I think. Jesus, they all look the same.
0: They all, no offense to the but... Baldwin's, but you all look oh. the same. <laughs> John Carpenter's *Vampires*, which I watched today. Um, Daniel Baldwin is in it, playing a character who was written and offered to Alec Baldwin. Oh, um, and is he just Daniel Baldwin doing the impression of Alec Baldwin for like 19 oh, minutes? God. It's so embarrassing. What is a Baldwin? Um, <laughs> there's like five different Baldwins. One of them, um, so Stephen Baldwin. This is our Stephen Baldwin corner. Um, he, <laughs> he, I. Uh, what I knew him from was being on. He's on Big Brother, I think, either the year of um, that Jade Goody incident, or it was a year after he was on. But he's also now known for being uh, very much pro-Trump, very much, oh. pro, very much pro people storming the Capitol. Oh, it was um, very religious. He came out, He was a born again, I think. Oh no! I think he might be in. Um, he's in. He plays Barney Rubble in Flintstones, uh, Viva Lost Viva Rock Vegas, I should say. With uh, is this,
1: is this how is this how uh, Jim Hanks is uh, Tom Hanks' brother voices Tom Hanks' characters whenever Tom think, Hanks can't do it.
0: I think that's just, I think that's just Tom Hanks being nice to his brother. To be honest, I don't think I, <laughs> I don't think it's anything else than that because oh, I don't know. Uh, he, yeah. So that's our uh, Stephen Baldwin corner. <laughs> Stephen Baldwin You can tell this is our first episode You're going to be able to tell straight away That this is the first episode ever recorded
1: Is Going back to the topic of uh, Going back to Doctor Who Is this the first new who uh, Joke about how About them saying the words Doctor Who In the show
0: Yes, yes. It is yes I'm pretty sure God. It's not the first I... one in terms of Doctor Who But it's the first one in terms of new who I'm pretty sure
1: that joke never gets old, and uh, I mean because... this.
2: This episode was a lot of firsts. I think it was the first one when no one died, um, in this new in the like revival.
0: Yeah, the first one to feature a cast member from One Foot in the Grave, because as we all know, us uh, us one footers, uh, and Crosby places his long suffering wife, uh, Margaret, is in the eleventh hour. So you know, put down your pipe and smoke it, Richard Wilson. Woo! Next week we're talking about uh, Sloughian and uh, Cardiff and uh, technical issues, probably knowing <laughs> knowing this. But, <laughs> but um, yeah. So thank you, Kaylee, for for being on this episode.
2: I didn't. No worries. I had fun, um, despite being a bit of a guinea pig this
0: week. (laughs) Uh, It's not like this was the first episode recorded uh, (laughs) at all.
2: I'm making history.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you as well for listening. Thank you. Oh, before we say anything, do you want to plug any social media you may have, or do you want us to... (laughs)
2: just wanted to be forgotten (laughs) you've never been able to find me (laughs) no um, my twitter is at Trophy Husband but Trophy is spelled incorrectly um, with an E before the Y hopefully that makes sense (laughs) if it doesn't that's fine you can never track me down Mm. Uh, and it'll be for the best
0: (laughs) it probably will
2: (laughs) no but hopefully I can come back for the when you get round to Torchwood because I fucking love the first season of Torchwood Definitely. So I'll be excited for that,
0: <laughs> Michelle. I think we're really going to enjoy torture as well. There's so many like wild, wild swings that they take that like it, it can it justifies its existence like pretty much straight away. You can find me at f e w b a t. Uh, I'm going to spell that because I'm pretty sure it's going to sound like the same few as in phew. And Michelle, we can find you at.
1: M I C H E L L I C H A N D Michelle Lachan. That's my full name.
0: I'm going to doxie. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Darn you, you can find us. I, th- I I I am going to tell you now. I think it's at Potter who cast. Um,
1: <laughs> I will confirm that to you.
0: Thank you. Um, but yeah, thank you. It is
1: Potter well. who cast.
0: Well, I got one thing right today. Um. Thank you. Anyway, thank you as always for listening. Uh, you can probably find us in different places. We. <laughs> I'll probably at th- the in say so you can find us at. Uh, Sp- uh, Spotify. I presume we'll be will be we'll be there at Spotify.
1: I mean, but hey, um... if it he- if it helps, I. Uh, how about this? Do you want me to do this part? I can do this part. I've been doing this part uh... for a year.
0: You might have to, but first, I want to say thank you to a trophy Husband for following Potter Who. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome.
1: <laughs> yes, thank you so much for being here, Kaylee. Uh, if you want to follow us, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. We are at, at we are at Potter Who Cast. That's P-O-D-T-O-R-W-H-O-C-A-S-A-T. Follow us there. Tell us what you think of the Empty Child and Dr. Dances. We will comment back on your opinion. But for now, this has been our episode on the two-parter Empty Child and Dr. Dances. And we'll be leaving you with this incredible note. If you want to resonate concrete, uh, just play Glenn Miller. Because apparently that's the only song they had the rights to. (laughs)
0: <laughs> them
1: and the fellow new vegas right <laughs> am i the only one who I, I swear to god when that song started playing i was like where did i hear that song before And it was like oh new vegas right 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 right
0: i heard that song from being a thoroughly broken brained child who only listened to glenn miller and <laughs> uh george hornby's when i'm cleaning windows for let's say three years before i discovered music actually existed so you won't hear that because i'll I'll have cut at this point. Um, <laughs> 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 look, look um, I think I think we're done.